Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. And alongside my wife Liz, we have the honor and privilege of serving this house, this church, as lead pastors. It's a journey. It's a it's a it's a privilege to be here leading journey, and we want to thank you. And if you don't know that, that means you are a first time guest. Somebody invited you today, and chances are that person was good looking, <laughs> and you came because this is your shot. Good luck. If this is your first time and you're looking for a home church. We think you found it. You are surrounded by some of the most beautiful, kindest, warmest people in the world. I know, I know that because I've, I've, I've walked with them the last four years, and they are just a special community. And so once again, I know we did this before Journey Church, but would you put your hands together just one more time and welcome all of our guests today. We're thankful that you're with us. Keep it going for Journey Church Online. Come on. Journey Church Online, we love you. We're so grateful that you're with us. Thank you for tuning in today. We know that many of you cannot be in the room for health reasons, and we know that many of you cannot be in the room for geography reasons. Since COVID, Journey Church Online has launched, and we've got now church members in New York, in Texas, and Africa, uh, in South Carolina, North Carolina, and uh, we're just welcoming our Journey Church family uh, today. We're so grateful that you're here. And if this is your first time, you picked a great time to visit because we are on week two of a series we are calling Fairy Tales. And it is a series on love, sex, and marriage. And are you enjoying it so far? Did you enjoy week one? Come on, make some noise if you broke up last week. Amen. It's <laughs> like I almost, I told him if he didn't come to church today, it was a wrap. And so I don't know if we should celebrate that. Depends if he was good or not. Um, but uh, we're just glad uh, that you're here. Hey, uh, resources are a big thing. Equipping you is a big thing. We've got something called the Bundle of Love. Didi, would you pass me the Bundle of Love? We've only got maybe 12 more of these. You have three books that are going to help you on your journey for uh, just growing in your relationship. I think being in a relationship is a lot like anything else. It takes practice, and sometimes we don't get it right the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth, but fifth time is a charm. It's what somebody said somewhere. And so I just honestly think it's about learning and about growing, about willing to do new things. So we've got these books for you. They're on sale. They're completely at cost. Uh, we don't add anything. We just ordered them from Amazon, and we just charged you whatever Amazon charged us. And so it'll just save you the time and shipping. We hope you grab them. And uh, it's a great, fun thing to do on Valentine's Day. Read. Who doesn't love to read on Valentine's Day? A lot of people. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to get straight into the word. I just got to... Give you a heads up. Uh, this is a disclaimer message, not one of those that are going to offend. I don't think it's going to offend a lot of people, but, but this is a disclaimer message. We just got a ton of content today. Do you like to learn? I hope you like to learn. I'm going to try and make it as interesting as possible and entertaining as possible, but these are one of these sermons where you're going to have to write stuff down because I'm going to just say so much. And if you don't write it down, nobody's judging you. Nobody, we don't have the ushers are not going to ask you to pull out pen and paper. Nobody's, you're free to process how you process. You can always look back and, and we watch the sermon. But I just got a lot to cover. I told my wife, um, I feel burdened because I want to say a lot today, but I don't have a lot of time to say it. And so I'm going to just get as far as I can and and hopefully this will help uh, somebody. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Let's get right into it. You might have heard this verse before. If you're new to church and you, you came here hoping to hook up with somebody, this might not be your verse, but do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, Paul said. Let's keep reading. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. Now, this verse was always preached to me when I was a young kid in church and youth group. And my youth pastor always be like, don't get in a relationship with somebody that doesn't love Jesus because you will be unequally yoked. And I had no idea what a yoke was. And, uh, and I had no idea where this verse came from. And as I began to study this verse more and more, I realized that the author is actually saying more than just don't be in a relationship with somebody who's not a Christian. Because you could be in a relationship with somebody who is a Christian and still be unequally yoked. And a matter of fact, if we look at where Paul got the idea from, he got it from Deuteronomy 22.10 in the Old Testament, this book. So way before Paul ever said it, Moses said it in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's show the verse, Deuteronomy 22.10. Do not plow. I said plow in the first service, but it's, or in practice, plow. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. So this is actually the verse that Paul is referencing when he says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. But when you get an image of what plowing with an ox and a donkey looks like, the message makes more sense. Can we show the image on the screen of what it looks like plowing with an ox and a donkey? So if you can see, the, the ox is a much larger animal than the donkey. And the yoke that is supposed to be uh, at the same ground right there, it's not. It's at an angle. And so really, I think what Paul is talking about is... Are you in a relationship with someone who's on a different level? I will just do the altar call right now and we'll just pray for everybody. (laughs) Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who's on a, a different level than you? Here's the title of my message, and it might offend some people, but let me explain before you get mad at me. The title of my message is Beauty and the Beast. Beauty. And the beast. And I just want to say at the onset that I hate labels. And so before you think you are the beauty in your relationship, can we just all admit that there's a little bit of beauty and beast in every single one of us? It really just depends what day you caught me on and if I've had my coffee yet. That really depends whether you will get the beauty or the beast. Nevertheless, I hope that this message will relate to everybody. Raise your hand if you are in a relationship right now. And every hand should be raised because I'm not just talking about marriage or dating, like you have a son, you have a dad, you have a cousin, you're in some level of relationship. Every hand should be raised. All right. I needed to see that because I needed to know how I'm preaching to you, preaching to anybody in any form of relationship. Now I need you to be super honest on this next one. You might not want to raise your hand, but I need you to. Raise your hand if there is something, big or small, that you just wish you could change about that person. Raise your hand right now. Come on. There's a husband there who's like, this is a, I see you, bro. He's like, this is a trap. I will, I shall not. I shall not fall for your games, Pastor. I don't go home to you at the end of this. I go home to her. She is perfect. Just the way you are. That song's a lie, all right? If we're honest, nobody's perfect. And we would all want to change some things about some people. So to make it easier to have some fun, here are some memes I found online of things we would all love to change about some people in our lives. Go ahead, show the first one. I have never once observed my wife put a bobby pin in her hair, yet I have found thousands of bobby pins in her house. Preaching. Aladdin is preaching. Next one. Do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead so I can pretend you're looking at me when I talk? That hurt somebody. Somebody is hurt right now. Here's the next one. 
did you notice, babe, that I made the bed and fixed the coffee this morning? And the wife said, yes, I did. And did you notice I've been doing that plus everything else for the last 15 years? <laughs> hey, husbands, this is us though, right? Yes, but I did a good job, didn't I? <laughs> it's so true. All right, before we show the next one, I just, this next one hit home for me. Because I don't have many issues with, my wife and I have worked through many of our issues, but this one was a big part for us early on. Because I don't know if you got in a relationship with somebody who eats your food when you go to the restaurant. For me, that's a big deal. Like, I don't mind sharing. Like, I know we said what's mine is yours and yours is mine, but we had the same menu. And I just, I just it bothered me. When we went to the restaurant and I would order something, and she'd be like, that looks good. And I'd be like, it sure does. That's why I ordered it. And you had the same opportunity to order. This is not a buffet. It was, if you wanted it, you should have ordered it. We can come back here next week and you can order it. But she was back early on in our first couple of dates. She'd be like, oh, that looks good. I was just like, she said, what now? So this next one, this is, go ahead and show it. Some couples sharing food. Me, Brian, do not touch my food. I have seven shrimp and 4,728 rice. And it's all mine. If you want rice, I'll get you rice. This is my rice. And finally, if we don't know how to handle these issues, and we don't know how to help that person we love change, this last meme might really hit us hard. It's a Kermit one. Me, I should calmly explain to him what's bothering me. Inner me, tell him goodnight at 5 p.m. <laughs> I don't know how to do this, so good night. Like, babe, the sun's still out. Good night. I'm processing this with you right now. <laughs> Sometimes we're in relationships where we love it. We could just change little things. And this sermon is for you. If you're in a, a good relationship, but you just wish there were some little things you can change about your spouse, like maybe them being ready to leave when you said the time was to leave, or maybe it could be a little bit uh, more serious. Maybe it's not getting ready to leave, or maybe it's getting a job. Um, or maybe even more serious, it's not getting a job, but you wish that that person could get sober. Or you wish that that person could get closer to God. What do you do when you're in a relationship with someone who is exhibiting some behavior, some habits, some things that are detrimental to the relationship, even detrimental to themselves, and you've done everything, but nothing seems to impact that person's life? I guess a good subtitle for this message could be, what to do when it's not working. I've, I've tried everything. And I'm in a relationship, and there are some challenges. And so today's message is going to hit different depending on where you are in your relationship status today. There is a point in the message where I'm going to talk to single people, and then there's another point in the message where I'm going to talk to married people. And I think this is really going to help a lot of married people because I think the longer you've been married, you can't help but wonder, can I teach a new dog new tricks? And Is that possible? Or am I just going to stay? Is my relationship always going to be this way? Single people, though, you have options married people don't have. And married people, we're asking, how can I help that person change? But single people, you get to ask a very important question that you don't get to ask when you're married. And that question is, should I change the person? And let me just tell you, it's a lot easier to change the person than to change a person. So while the Bible still gives us liberty to change the person, we ought to consider it. So let me help you, single and dating people. Here's my first point for y'all. Single and dating people, pick a person, not a project. Because number one, it's not fair to treat people like their projects. I remember when we went to our first home, or our last home, the home we're in right now, Liz, it was a, it was a, it was a wreck. It needed a lot of work. And Liz w- walked up in there, 
And she was just like, oh, that's no problem. We can take down this wall and we can lift up this rug and we can paint all that. And she was like, it's good, babe. It's just a fixer upper. It's just a fixer upper. I was like, well, if you can see it, I guess, I guess that's awesome. Let me just tell you, that's a really good mentality to have when you're renovating a house. It's a terrible mentality to have when you're picking a partner. Do not treat people like they're fixer uppers. You are not the Chip and Joanna Gaines of relationships. Because sometimes we'd be watching those shows and we're like, oh, I'll just tear this wall down and I'll just elevate this roof. And then you get home, you buy the house and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do any of that. Those were professional contractors who went in and fixed that up. In other words, I don't have the skills. It's not my job. You know that you don't have the skills and it's not your job to fix people. Are you ready for this? I'm a pastor and it's not even my job to fix people. Only God can fix people. You don't have the skills. You don't have the, it's not your role to fix others. And so I will tell you what my realtor told me. He said, don't fall in love with the house until after the inspection. Because you fall in love with the house before the inspection, no matter what comes back in the inspection, you go, well, I just love it. I'm going to work with it. If the foundation is off, you're going to work with it and be out $100,000 on top of your mortgage to fix a faulty foundation. Are you noticing the red flags when you're dating or are you ignoring them? Because the reality is we've been inspecting people for a while now. It, that's just human nature. Some of y'all don't even know. You've been in church for 30 minutes. You've already been inspected eight times by five different people. <laughs> I like the way she worships. Did you see him? I think he cried when he was singing First Love. Did you see that tattoo on his arm? It's a cross. He must love Jesus. It's, you don't know. Is there a ring on that finger? You've been inspected already. <laughs> and sometimes we inspect people, get to know them, and red flags come up, and we ignore them. And that's dangerous. Here's some, why do we ignore red flags? I think we ignore red flags for five reasons. I'll hit them real quick. The first reason we ignore red flags is because we say, well, nobody's perfect. Well, just because nobody's perfect doesn't mean anybody will do. If you go to try on a shoe at a shoe store, you will very rarely ever find the perfect fit. Sometimes it's a little too big. Sometimes it's a little too small. Can you walk in it? Or does it cause you pain? Because if it hurts you, maybe it's not the right fit. Another one will ask, it's not a big deal. You know, they got this one thing wrong with them, but it's not a big deal. You know, their credit score is five. <laughs> but it's, it's not a big deal. Well, a splinter isn't a big deal either. But can you live with it? Because over time, it becomes a big deal. Another lie that will help us accepting the red flags are, well, somebody's better than nobody. That's a lie. I'd rather be married to the right person for 10 years than the wrong person for 30 that's like going to the doctor, they, they run tests on you, and the doctor's like, all right, well, you know, I want to help you, and we're going to find you some medicine, but it's going to take some time to do the test. And you're like, forget it, just give me any medicine. Some medicine is better than no medicine. <laughs> no, man, the wrong medicine will kill you. Like, you got to find the right one. And this one hurts my heart because this is where probably a lot of people are at today. Well, there's already too much invested already. We've already spent so much time together. We've already picked out the names of our kids. I've already practiced my last name signature with his last name. And, and there, we've already decided what college we're going to go to. And we've already bought the house. We're already engaged. There's too much invested already. Song of Solomon 8.4 says, swear to me that you will not awaken love or arouse love before it's proper time. Hear me. This is why this verse is saying this. It's so important when you're dating not to treat people like you're married. When you are dating, you are dating. When you are married, you are married. Stop doing married people things when you're dating the person because your heart is out of time. 
And then that's why every breakup feels like a divorce because you've been going too fast, too far. Now, here's the last one, reason why we'll avoid a red flag, the one I want to preach about today. Once they're with me, they'll change. And this is the myth of true love's kiss. Every fairy tale, no matter what the curse is, true love's kiss will... My son is nine years old. He'll be nine tomorrow, justice. And he looked at... We were watching a fairy tale the other day, and sure enough, it was the kiss that broke the curse. And he said, Dad, why is it in every fairy tale? He's like, not about kissing right now. He's like, true love's kiss breaks the curse. That's gross, Dad. And I'm just like, that's because that's our society, Pop. Everybody believes that that's how it works. But it does, you know what? Can I just burst your bubble? Sometimes you kiss the frog and he stays a frog. He doesn't turn into a prince. You don't have that power. You don't have that ability. You don't have those skills. So don't just get married and rush into it if you're single because marriage isn't like buying on Amazon. You don't get free returns. Liz loves buying on Amazon. If she can buy anything on Amazon, she will buy it on Amazon because free returns. And they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't ask you questions. You just send it back. No, if you're going to return a marriage, it will always come at a cost. It'll cost you a broken heart. It'll cost you children having to spend their holidays in different homes. And it'll cost you damage to the other person as well. It always, no, when you get married, you just need to understand that you are buying into that person as is. Have you ever bought something as is? You go to the store, you'd be like, this deal is too good to be true. And then the guy will come out and be like, well, it's as is. Just want you to know, this thing has got some defects. <laughs> this thing has got some, are you, and here's the question, honestly, all married people have to answer. Am I okay with those defects? Am I okay with those things that are wrong in that person? Because it is true. Nobody is perfect, but when you get married, there are no refunds, there are no returns. That's just like my, my pet peeve when I'm doing counseling for marriages, which I don't do that anymore because we have great counselors that are better, and honestly, I don't think I have the patience. I like preaching, I get to say what I want to say for 40 minutes and I go, and I feel like you're listening even if you're not, you know, but sometimes you get into marriage counseling and it's like, are you even listening to me or yourself? Like I'm in a counseling session and, and, and wife said, well, you know, he's just so mature. He's just so mature. He's so mature. He's, he said it so many times and I'm like, I, I get why you're upset, but why are you surprised? Wasn't he immature when you were dating? Say, yeah, but it was funny then. Oh, <laughs> Funny then, turns into immaturity later when you get married. The things you like about them when they're dating, oftentimes you hate about them when they get married. I love how stoic he is. Nothing ever riles him. Why won't you talk to me? <laughs> Another wife said to me, I can't believe he cheated on me. Well, didn't he cheat on you when you were dating? Didn't you know he had an addiction to pornography? So if he did it when you were single, why are you surprised now when you're married? Liz and I knew each other's things. We knew it when we got married, and we decided it was like, I knew she was tough. She was tough, y'all. Like back in the day when we were on the phone, and she didn't like what I said on the phone, she would hang up on me. <laughs> remember when you used to hang up on me? Oh, I remember. <laughs> and when I proposed, here's what I told myself. I hope she works on that, but if she never does, is that something that I'm willing to live with? She knew when I got married, I was unorganized. She would come over, my, my car would be a wreck inside. My, she would come to my house, there's clothes all over the place. And so I'm not saying that I don't need to get better at those things. I'm saying that when she chose to marry me, she had to accept the fact if he never gets better in this area, you cannot marry potential. 
You have to ask yourself, with everything that's wrong with this person, because I know that there's are those things I'm good to live with. Okay? And, you, and here's, the, here's the great question. What if, because this is what you're asking single people, what if their, their stuff doesn't come out until after we get married? Great question. That's why you wait to get married. I wrote it like this. I really contemplated whether or not to put this on a slide because I'm like, someone might take a picture and post this and then it's going to look bad because people don't hear the rest of the sermon, but I don't care. You need this. You don't marry someone who's not crazy. You marry someone after you know what kind of crazy they are. (laughs) Real talk. I know you're crazy. I just need to know if I can live with your brand of crazy. Matter of fact, that is a great post-sermon conversation if you're dating. Go out to eat. So, what kind of crazy are you? Let me tell you what kind of crazy you have. Sometimes I get, look, a crazy jealous. How about you? Sometimes I get crazy, I crazy spend money. Okay, cool. But, but you got to have that conversation. You got to know what it is you're signing up for because marriage has no free returns, but dating is your free trial. I'm not saying to treat people like you throw them away, but dating is the time where, that's why I love those free trials. Every subscription now, free trial, 30 days. If it don't work, you don't have to subscribe. But you know it's hard to get out of those contracts once you're in it. Same with marriage. Dating is the time where you get to ask yourself, is this person going to be the right fit with me? Because let me just tell you, and you're going to have to wait to see they're crazy, because when you first meet somebody, you are not meeting that person. You are meeting that person's representative. Can I confess? Don't judge me after I confess. Liz and I, his very first date, we went downtown Ybor City. And in the middle of our date, this homeless guy comes up to us asking for money. I stopped, gave him money, preached the gospel to him, laid hands on him, and the homeless guy received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I want to say, I did that. Because I love Jesus, and I love people. (laughs) But if I'm confessing, I just got to keep it 100 with you. I did that because I knew she was looking for a Christian guy. (laughs) And I was like, I am going to blow her mind right now. (laughs) And after that guy accepted Jesus, I was like, just a normal Tuesday. Stuff like this happens all the time. Now, listen, we have been on many dates since then. I don't know if that's ever happened ever since. Our very first date. Now, listen, that wasn't the fake me. That was the best me. You just have to understand that when you're dating somebody, you are always getting the best version of themselves. And the question you need to answer is not can I live with the best version of themselves, but can I live with the worst version of themselves? And so until you see them at their worst, you are not ready to get married. Well, we, I think we're ready to get married because we have never had a fight. That's like why you don't get married. Because if, they, if, y'all, if y'all haven't argued yet, someone's lying. Someone's being quiet. Someone's being silent. Doesn't work. Can't do it. All right? So don't try and change people. You got to take them as is, as is. Because if you try and change them, listen, you can't be Jesus in their life. You can't out Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can do it, because if you do it, and baby, you can help me out with this illustration real quick. If you do try and help him, here's what happens. Let's say, now this is my wife, okay? She's so beautiful. Happy Valentine's Day, baby. This is my wife. 
just trying to score points up here, guys. <laughs> I want you to imagine for a second that she's not my wife, that she's my daughter. She's not my daughter. I don't have a daughter, but this is my wife. But just for a second, imagine that she's my daughter. If she's my daughter and I'm her dad, then in a dad-daughter relationship, it's my job to get her to the next level. When she falls, I hold her hand, I pick her up. When she makes mistakes, I hold her hand, I pick her up, right? This is an appropriate relationship for a dad and a daughter. The problem is when we get married, we got dads still treating their wives like their daughters. And we got wives treating their husbands like their sons. And they're on another level, and they're trying to lift up their spouse to the next level. But if I try to pull her up here and she doesn't want to come up here, I'm going to hurt her. In fact, I'll never forget one day when we were dating, I was, I was leading an internship, and I was trying to help her. I was trying to get her to the next level. And she told me right there, and looked me in the eyes, and she said, don't talk to me like I'm one of your interns. You're talking down to me. And I realized she's got to grow at her own pace. I can't pull her. I can't force her. I can't make her go where she doesn't want to go. So only two things will try and happen if you try and out Jesus Jesus. One, you're going to hurt that person trying to get them to a level that they don't want to be at or they're not ready to be at, or two, more likely, because she has the leverage. I've got to use all my force to get her up to my level, but all she has to do, go ahead, pull a little bit, is just a little bit of force, and what? I'm down at her level, and this is what happens in so many relationships when we're on different levels. We'll lose all our energy to trying to get them up there, and all she has to do is just a little bit of energy, and I'm down there. Thank you, baby. It never works. It never works. And so let me help you single people how to get that person, how to find that person. Now, Genesis 24.4 says this, and then I'm going to go to marry people. Genesis 24.4, go to my homeland. Abraham is asking his servant to get a wife for his son Isaac. But he doesn't say the word get, and he doesn't say a word find. Look at the word he says. Go to my homeland, to my kinsmen too. Say this word with me. Choose a wife for my son Isaac. Let me just tell you right now, you don't find the one, you choose the one. And here's why those words matter so much. Because if you go looking for the one, even when you find the one, when things get tough, you'll wonder if you've missed the one. And so even when you find the one, you don't stop looking for the one. People ask me, do you believe in the one, Pastor JJ? Absolutely, but not in the way that you think. I don't believe that there's one person for you, and if you don't marry that one person, then the rest of your life is messed up. Because what if you took my one by accident? (laughs) Say all the math messes up. Here's what I think. Whenever you get married, the one that you chose... That's the one, the moment you chose them. So we don't find them, we choose them. Say it with me, choose. Say it with me, choose. So I'm going to help you remember this. If you're single and you're looking to choose somebody, I got a little acronym for you that will spell, spell out choose. This is going to come at you fast. First off, the first thing you need, see Christ. Now, I'm going to just say this and I'm going to let it go. You need to make sure that they have a relationship with Jesus so they don't go to you for things that they can only get from Jesus. Now... At church, that's all you hear. If you got Jesus in your relationship, it's all good. I can't tell you how many Christians have divorced. You need more than that. And so we're going to take it. And I'm all using the example from Rebecca and Isaac. So when Abraham tells his servant to go get a a woman, the woman that he's telling her to go get is from a, a, a place where people believe in the same God that Abraham believes. So the Christ aspect. He said, I also want you to go to this particular family to get the wife. Here's the H, home. Whether you want to or not, once you got Christ in the picture, here's the next thing you do. You need to meet their family, and you need to meet their friends. Because when you get married, there's no more her family, your family. There's our family. And and you need to meet their family because you need to understand 
Who is joining your family? Their personalities and their proclivities. Their personalities. My family has some unique personalities. And I let my wife know before she met them. When you meet my, my mom, she's very, she's high energy. She's, she's a little scary. She's going to treat you like we're already married. And I just want you to know, I haven't told her anything. And I, she's just my mom. And when you meet my sister, she's really honest. In fact, when Liz came over for one of our dates to go to the beach, my sister opened the door to let her in. And she looked at her and she looked at me and she said, JJ, she is way too beautiful for you. <laughs> True story, right? True story. But I prepared her for that before she got there. And she loved my sister. She, now she, she's one of my sister's greatest mentors in her life, probably a greater mentor than even me, but she, I prepared her for that. And the family's proclivities. You have to understand that the person that you want to get with is going to treat their home, their future home, the way that their home. So when you step into their home, their parents' home, their brother's and sister's home, you are getting an image of what your home can potentially look like. So when her mom came out, this is how I knew she liked me, because her mom gave me an extra slice of flan. <laughs> flan is a Spanish dessert. Her mom would always be cleaning and always, I just saw her mom was such a servant. I thought, girl, I bet you served her. She was a, she's an amazing servant. And then I saw her dad who growing up traveled a lot for ministry. And because of that, Liz was a little hurt in the heart. And so when we started dating and then we got married and then I was traveling a lot, she had to call me up and say, listen, because of the way that I grew up, I need you home more. I need you to spend more time with me. And because I knew that going in, you see? I go, well, I knew that going in. So if I have to travel less, I'll travel less because I want to make sure that you know that I'm not going to do that. The next one is open. Rebecca was very honest. You need to have some conversations with the person you're thinking about marrying and you need to make, and, and there's some tough conversations. Let me just say it this way. You better ask the hard questions now. Now, not on the first date. <laughs> but hi, my name's Sarah. Hi, yeah, John. Thanks so much for coming out. I know we just met in the Love, Sex, and Marriage series. Yeah. How long have you been going on a journey? I've been going for a year. How about you? Oh, I've been going for six months. Cool. So how many people have you slept with? <laughs> not date one. <laughs> A, but that is the question that needs to be asked in time. Yeah. The, what's your credit score? Yeah. Yeah. I need to find out in time, not on the first date. Don't be looking like a gold digger. <laughs> but you got to ask at some time. There cannot be any skeletons in the closet by the time you guys put rings on them. You need to know absolutely everything about that person. Here's the next O, order. Rebecca had her life in order. She was ready to go. She knew she wanted to go. Is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, do they know where they want to go in life? Because if not, then it goes back to last Sunday's sermon. They're going to make you their purpose and then resent you when you don't bring into them what only purpose can bring into their life. So forget about my dreams. What's your dreams? I want to hear them. Do you have them? What are your dreams for life? Here's the next one, serve. Make sure that the person you are going to marry serves. Why? Because if I can summarize marriage into one word, it would be serve. This girl, Rebecca, in the story, gives water not only to the servant, but to 10 of the servant's camels. She was ready to serve. And, and the servant knew, because he was a servant, that's going to be a good attribute to have in marriage. How do you know if the person is going to be a good servant? Because you don't want really to get to see people serve nowadays. There's three questions you can ask them. Question number one, do you serve on a ministry team here at Journey? Because if they, if they, don't, if they ain't willing to serve the Lord, they ain't going to serve you. And by the way, if you see somebody serving and you think they're attractive, get on their team. 
If you saw a greeter out there and you were like, that's a good-looking greeter, join the greeters. God is calling you to join the greeters. <laughs> if you saw somebody up here doing worship, you thought they were good looking, get on the worship team. But I can't sing. They got, they got quality control. You don't need to sing. You can, you, can move, you can move stuff around. Just get close to him. Do what you got to do. If they're not, if you don't go to this church, then, then ask them this question. Do they ever help people? Have you ever seen them regularly help people? And if you haven't been able to that, here's a great one. Every time you talk to them, are they talking about themselves? Because a person who talks about themselves will not serve others because they're only concerned about themselves. And here's the last one, E, enjoy. You got to enjoy that person. And I wanted to put this up here because it's important. If you don't find that person attractive, even if they got all the other things, God's not asking you to be with that person. So be like, well, you know, he's got a good job, he's got good money, loves Jesus. I, just, I guess that's the one. No. God is not asking you to like, force yourself into a marriage here. You should enjoy it. I just wanted to put it up there because some people will just take the E and forget about the rest and just marry someone they enjoy, and you got to get it all. Marry people. Let me help you out. Before you try and change them, check yourself. Number one, you got to check your expectation of what that person should be. Check your expectations. This is bad. I'm going to help you out, married people. Start taking notes. Check your expectations. Single people, this is still for you when you get married. You did not marry Brian McKnight. You married Brian with a Y. <laughs> you did not marry Prince Charming. You married Charlie. No offense, Charlie. <laughs> or Brian with a Y, who's back there. <laughs> you did not marry Nicholas Sparks, the author. You married Nick, the accountant. And he's not going to show you love by taking you out on these amazing... He's going to show you love by doing your taxes for you, okay? That's the way he shows love. I'm just saying, check your expectation. Make sure that you're not going to him or her for something that only Jesus can give you. He's your husband, not your savior. He's your husband, not, 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 not where you get your worth from. Number two, you got to check your expectation of what marriage should be. Let me tell you married people right now, marriage is not a feeling. A lot of people think it is, and when they lose the feeling... They think my marriage is over. Well, I don't feel the same way about her anymore. I don't feel the same way about him anymore. I share this story every year. I'll share it again. The darkest season of our marriage was year eight of our marriage. We were launching Journey Church, Liz and I, and it was a very scary time. We didn't know financially what we were going to do. We didn't know. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of tension. And we went to New York for a conference. And in New York, we got into this really bad fight. And I remember, I'll spare you all the details of the fight. It was so dumb. It was like a camera and batteries and whatever. And it was just, it was so bad. For the first time in eight years of being married, I didn't want to divorce my wife, but for the first time in eight years of marriage, I could imagine a world where she wasn't my wife. It was very early on, and it terrified me that I was even imagining that possibility. So when we went home, see, because I have a theory, and I'm going to put it on the screen, and this is my theory, and it's in the Bible as well, that motion creates emotion, that choices lead and feelings follow. So I went home and I said, well, how am I going to fall back in love with my wife like never before? So here's what I started doing. I started serving around the house. I started doing chores that normally I wouldn't do. I started scrubbing toilets. I started hand washing the, the shower. I, I started cooking. I started cleaning dishes that weren't even mine. 
I started sweeping and mopping, and it was just a way for me to tell my heart that I wasn't going to let my heart determine my hands. I was going to let my hands determine the direction of my heart, and I was like, I'm going to serve her like she's someone that I love with all of my heart, and eventually my heart caught up with my hands, and my love for her started to come up, and one day while we were in the shower, she looks at me, and she goes, uh, I just got to say, I have noticed that you've been doing a lot of things for me around the house. What is the deal with that? And then I just broke down. And I was like, this scary thing happened in New York, and I didn't know, and I thought we were going to get divorced, and I just wanted to serve you until my heart came in. I just love you so much right now, baby. She's like, awesome. That's so good to hear. She's like, are you going to keep doing those things? I was like, not at all. <laughs> I was just a in case of emergency break glass moment. That's all that was. We're going to go back to our roles now. But. So, so if you've lost the spark, Pick up a broom, make the bed, do something for her to remind you why she was special in the first place. Married people, you're not going to help that person change. You're going to help that person become. A lot of people want to change their spouse. I'm going to tell you, you can't change your spouse. But what you can do is you can help that person become the person God made them to be. So whether it's a little thing or a big thing, let me help you right now, husbands and wives. How do you help the person you're married to become the person God created them to be. B, you want to bear them. Bear them. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Listen, I'm going to talk about divorce in a few minutes because I've never heard it preached at church. And in four and a half years, I've never preached at this church. I'm going to talk about when it is biblically allowed and when God never is happy with it, but when he gives permission for it. But when you get into a marriage, you need to eliminate that word from your vocabulary in the beginning. You just have to enter in this mentality that I'm going to bear you in love. Your issues, your, 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 your problems, I'm going to bear them because you, you picked them going in. You knew they were there when you went in. If you did it right, if you did dating right, you knew that they were there. And so you got to first bear them, have that patience to deal with the person that they're becoming. E, you want to encourage them. You want to encourage that person. You need to speak to the best version of themselves. You need to speak to where they're going, not where they are. This is how my wife got me to throw out the trash weekly. It was always my job. I was just terrible at remembering to do it. And she came across this principle. And so one day I was throwing out the trash and I came back in the house. And she looked at me and she said, baby, I just have to tell you. When you threw out that trash, it made me feel so loved. You have never looked sexier then when you threw out that trash, I was like, well, is there more trash? <laughs> you, you want me to throw out the recyclable too? I could do the recyclable. I would just go and sit. Ladies, speak your man to where you want them to be, not to where they are. Call them higher. Don't push them lower. Same for the fellas. Call them higher. Don't push them lower. C, communicates. If you don't like something... Say something. The other day, Liz looked at me. It was, uh, it was the next day. So the first day, the kids were supposed to do their homework, and, and I was in the living room watching TV, and I didn't hear that they were playing and not doing their homework because I'm watching TV. Stop talking to your spouse when they're watching TV. <laughs> Ask them to shut off the TV. Let's figure it out. She's like, can you shut off the TV? Eye contact. Look at me. I need, you to, I need to talk to you. Yes, baby. <laughs> so... But she didn't do that. So the next day, while we're brushing our teeth, 
out of nowhere, she goes, I asked for permission to share this story. She said it was okay. Next day, she looked at me, well, brush my teeth. She goes, can I, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. She goes, you know, yesterday when the kids were doing their homework and you were watching TV, I said, no. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. Because I just got to let you know that it really bothered me. And I'd appreciate it if you were more helpful in the house. I was like, that's great. But next time, can you communicate to me in the moment that it happens? Because if you sleep on it, let me give you something you can write down. Communicate, don't incubate. Because if you sleep on it without saying it, you're not just sleeping on it, you're planting it. So you go to bed with disappointment, but you wake up with anger. So don't let it incubate. Bring it out in the open. Talk about it. And then let the Holy Spirit operate. Operate. That's the O. Operate. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, shall come, he will guide you into all truth. There are some things you will never convince your spouse of that only the Holy Spirit can, and you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit do his job. But the Holy Spirit can't whisper if you're shouting. The Holy Spirit whispers when he speaks to our hearts. And I can't hear him if you're shouting at me. Sometimes you got to let the Holy Spirit operate. Here's M, model, model. Are, are you the change you want to see in them? 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I what? As I follow the example of Christ. In other words, I'm not going to ask my spouse to do anything that I'm not already doing. I'm not going to ask him to go somewhere that I haven't already gone. Follow my example. And this could be the man or the woman. There are times when she's leading me by the way that she's leading her life in certain areas. And then finally, E, entrust. Once you've done all of those, let's throw it up on the screen. Once you've done all of those things, you got to entrust that God's going to do the rest. Or you entrust or, and that got real scary back there for a second. Or, and, and, and just nobody leave, nobody tune off after I say this because this message can be misinterpreted. So bear with me. Entrust or, throw it back up there, exit. When is it okay to exit a relationship? I've, I've tried. I mean, I'm talking about dating. Just get out if you're dating. But if you're married, when is it okay to pull the ripcord on this thing and exit? And the old me would never preach a sermon on this, but I have too many friends who love Jesus and have gone through divorce. Too many good people, Christians in this room who love Jesus and have experienced it. And I don't know that the church, capital C, has really been there for people who have experienced this trauma. So I want to help you. First thing you have to know that God is never for divorce. Malachi 2.16, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Really quickly though, what it doesn't say is I hate divorcees. God hates divorce, not divorcees. So don't you sit in this room and feel judged right now. Don't you sit in this room and feel guilty or shamed right now. He hates the act because you know how painful it is and he loves people and he doesn't want people to go through pain. He hates the act because marriage is an image of his relationship with you and he promises to never leave you. And so he wants you to never leave them because he wants to never leave you. But there are three times in scriptures when God gives permission to exit even though he hates it. I need to say that. This is not the go-to. Matthew 19, 8, and they all start with the letter A. Jesus said, Moses provided divorce as a concession to your hard hearts, but it is not part of God's original plan. So divorce has some permission, but it wasn't a part of the plan. Jesus continues to say, I'm holding you to the original plan. 
and I make an exception in cases where the spouse has committed adultery. So the first A for exiting a marriage is adultery. But let me just tell you, adultery is more than the grounds for divorce. It's also the grounds for forgiveness. If you're in a relationship with somebody who betrayed your trust, it's not just the grounds, it's the grounds for forgiveness too. To show them the forgiveness that Christ showed you. But it's there in the Bible. That's the first A, adultery. The second one we don't see in the scriptures explicitly, but we see it implicitly, and it is the husband's wife to provide protection for the spouse. So the other A would be abuse. As a husband, the Bible commands me to provide protection for my wife. If I forfeit protection by physically hurting my wife, then I also forfeit my husbandly role. So let me just tell you right now, if you are in a relationship with somebody who is physically, not mean to you, mean is one thing, we work on that together, but physically abusing you and you feel like your life or the life of your kids are in danger, get out of that relationship right now. Get out of that relationship right now. Come to the church. Talk to us. We'll help you. We'll talk to him. Come to us. We want to help you with that. Let me just tell you, I'm here right now because my grandma grabbed her, her 11 kids, including my father, and ran away from my grandfather to save their lives because he was abusive and tried to kill my dad at one point. She, and, and guess what she ran when she grabbed all 11 of her kids? 11 kids. Can you imagine 11 kids and an and a, and a old Puerto Rican? I guess she was an old then. She was strong then. But a strong Puerto Rican lady grabbed 11 kids, and, and guess what she ran to? She ran to the church. And the church gave her a place to stay, and they watched her, and they guarded her. That was the last time my grandma ever saw my grandfather. I've never saw my grandfather, but I'm glad that the church didn't meet her with judgment and said, get out. We'll protect you. We'll keep you safe. The last A is abandonment. That is in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7, 15 through 16. On the other hand, if the unbelieving spouse walks out, they abandon you. You've got to let him or her go. You don't have to hold on desperately because God has called us to make the best of it as peacefully as we can. You never know, wife. The way you handle this might bring your husband not only back to you, but more importantly, to God. Next verse, you never know, husband. The way you handle this might bring your wife not only back to you, but more importantly, to God. And I just want to speak to those who are like, I don't want divorce. He's the one that wants it. She's the one that wants it. Let me help you. I know you feel unwanted. I know you feel unloved. I know you feel abandoned, but there is somebody waiting for you on the other side of this process. His name is Jesus. This church, this community, we want to walk with you. I'm sorry that that's happening to you, but you don't have to feel guilty. Could you have done things better? I'm sure. Could he have done things better? She have done things better? I'm sure. But we're going to close that chapter because God's got grace. He's got mercy, and he loves that person more than even you do. So if you've been abandoned, that person just says, I'm out. There's nothing you can do, and the Bible gives you permission. But now I want to talk to the person who's leaving. Maybe it's mutual. Maybe you're here today, and this sermon series was your last shot. Maybe you're watching online right now, and your content, but you've already Googled divorce, good divorce lawyers in Orlando. I'm going to show you one story, and then we're going to close on this one story. It's the story of Jesus' first miracle. I never like to make people who don't come to church feel like, you know something or you don't know something. There's no inside jokes here. But does anybody know Jesus' very first miracle? His very first miracle? Raise your hand if you know his very first miracle. A couple people, yeah. It was, it was A.B., what was it? What, did he, what was it? He, was, he, he did what? He turned water into wine. I always looked at that miracle and I'm like, Jesus is a party guy. <laughs> his very first miracle was like, let's get crunk. Like, what? Like, 
that needs some explaining. Like I need, and I, by the way, I don't think that's why he did it. I need to always apologize. Our church grows, we get more haters. So I'm not saying Jesus wants us to all get crying. I'm just saying, why? And then the Holy Spirit told me, he said, stop looking at what the miracle was and start looking at where the miracle happened. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, where did he do the miracle? At a wedding. So you're telling me that Jesus' first miracle was in a marriage because maybe he was communicating that the people who need it the most, that at some point in everyone's marriage, you will need a miracle. Then I started to look at what exactly happened. And the Bible says that, that when, when they first got married, they had a bunch of wine. They had a bunch of wine. Yeah, I bought wine for the first time this past Friday, y'all. Now, I, I, I don't like, why you cheering? <laughs> I never, I'm not just, I don't like alcohol. I just like the taste of it. That's not against if you drink wine. That's cool. It's not just, we're not the church. You can drink wine and come to the church. I just, I just, I'd never done it before. So it's like, first time I showed ID to buy alcohol. I was like, I hope the cash register lady does go to my church, you know? <laughs> it's a sermon illustration. I probably don't come to church on Sunday. So you got this wine bottle. Listen, this is how all marriages start, full. Expectation, celebration, we're gonna have a party. This wedding is gonna be great. This marriage is gonna be great. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. And that's exactly what happens. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life. Oh, we're having fun. Now we're having kids. Now we're buying a house. Oh, we finally got in our careers. Oh my gosh, I love you so much. And then one day, what started full is now empty. And there's somebody here in this building that you're in a marriage right now, and it feels like this. When you look at it, you don't see it for what it can be. You see it for what it was. Thank you, God, for the good times, but this chapter in my life is obviously over right now. And now all you got left is, can I just get a bottle of water real quick? Yeah. Now you got, the Bible says that all they had left was water. So your marriage started out like this, party, and now you're here. Bland tasteless, no real potential. It's it's, it's over. It's over. But then I realized that there's a connection between Jesus' first miracle and his last miracle. Yeah, John 2, 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus, on the what day? So Jesus' first miracle happened on the third day. When did Jesus' last miracle happen? You know, the one where he came out of the tomb. I think it happened on the third day. Are you ready for Jesus' MO? Jesus' MO in miracles is right when you think it's over. somebody in this room watching online today you think it's over and I want you to know that like right when you think it's over it's Jesus's MO like that's when he shows up and shows out like right when you think it's over 
I said, wow, okay, Jesus, so you're going to do it right when you think it's over, but how are you going to do it? Then I remembered the work that was involved in doing the miracle. Jesus looked at a bunch of people, and he said, all right, before we turn this water into wine, we need water. He said, so get the water, but the water was far away. It was six stone jugs that can hold up to 20 gallons of water, and they had to go to the well, fill it up, go to the well. They had to go all the way over here, and they had to fill up gallons of water. And not just one, but 20 to 30 gallons of water. And it seems so impossible to do this work if you're doing it by yourself. But if you get, I don't know, your spouse, would you come on, help me real quick, babe? Then together, I know it's a lot of work, but if we do the work together, then maybe we can do the miracle God can do the miracle in our life if I do the work and she does the work. See, the miracle can only happen if you do the work together. If I do the work and she does the work, then then maybe God can turn this water into wine and it looks like we're just going back and forth. Looks like we're just going back and forth in this relationship. Nothing has happened yet, but we're just in that season where we're just willing to do the work. We're willing to go to counseling. We're willing to get in a small group. We're willing to have honest conversation. The miracle hasn't happened. Right now we're just carrying water, but it's the work, the work that was happening because they were just trying to be obedient to God's word. I know it hasn't happened yet, but but if God said do it, I'll do it. If I know it doesn't look like nothing's happening, but if, but if God said carry water, I'll carry water and then maybe once I carry the water he'll do the miracle I I was thinking for the longest time I was like how can I turn this water into wine as a sermon illustration (laughs) I was like I'll just pray for it right now God I'll do it right now I'll do it and I was like and then somebody was like maybe you get some food coloring and you could throw it in there because I know that's what you're all expecting right now you're all expecting me to this water and then this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do he said leave it as water because I need to know if they're willing to work with water. Leave it as water, because I need to know if they're willing to carry water before I turn it into wine. It takes two people, it can't be one person, but if the two people are willing to do the work, then you bring the water to Jesus. Jesus turns it into wine, and then here's the word, John 2.10, here's what the master of the wedding says, and then we'll pray and we'll close. She needs a mic, if you can get a mic, pass the list. John 2.10, here's what he said, usually a host uses the best wine first, but you have kept the best for last. Ooh, God told me to tell you right now that the best years of your marriage he has saved for right here. The best years were not behind you. The best years are ahead of you. Now, single people, I've kind of stopped talking to you, but, but I'm, I'm expecting testimonies this week in the emails of people who are, I decided to try again. Somebody who's watching this online, somebody who's here in this room today, and I just want you to know if you bring your water to God, he'll turn it into wine. So here's what I need to do. I'm going to talk to single people in a second, but married people, if you're here today, I just want you to grab the hand of your spouse. If your spouse is not here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. If your spouse is not here today, that's okay. Holy Spirit's holding your hand. God is holding your hand today. If you're online and you're with your spouse, hold their hand. If not, that's okay. God is holding your hand and their hand. And I just want to declare a prophetic word. What does that mean, prophetic word? A word over your life that hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. The best years of your marriage are still ahead. I'm declaring that in Jesus' name. The best years are still ahead. I'm going to ask Pastor Liz to pray.
pray for you right now. Every marriage in this building, single people, we're not going to leave you out. We're going to pray for you too. But right now, there's restoration happening in this house. I just believe it. Jesus is turning water into wine. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this message. We thank you for today. We thank you on Valentine's Day that we're coming here in your presence, God. Lord, we pray for these couples right now, my God, who feel like they're on the verge of divorce, God. We know that so many people are choosing divorce right now. But we know if we bring our water to you, God, you're going to change it into wine, my God. We also know that whenever we feel like we're at the end of our rope, my God, right at the end on the third day, that's when you come and miracles happen, God. So we pray and we claim miracles over every relationship that feels that they're on the verge of divorce. Who are about to sign the paperwork, God, I pray that you would just tug on their hearts and let them know if they just come together in your presence, my God, and do the work, then you will do the miracle, my God. We know and we believe that, my God. In your name we pray, amen. Father, we also want to live up all the single people in our church today who we love so dearly, Father. We pray that you would give them the confidence not to rush into the next thing or the closest thing, but to wait for the right thing the right thing, that you give them the wisdom to discern and choose the right person. Father, and we pray for everyone in this building who does not yet have a relationship with you yet, because we know that the first relationship we got to get right is with you. So if you're in this room today, married or single, engaged or dating, and you've yet to have a start a relationship with Jesus Christ, when I say three, I'd like you to raise your hand high to the sky. If you're online, raise your hand high to the sky as a signal. Jesus Christ, I need you in my life because you're my first love. More than anything, you're my first love. All over this room and online, if that's you, when I say three, you're ready to give your life back to Jesus. Shoot your right hand up high. One, two, three. Right now, go ahead, throw that that hand up high. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand, sister. I see that hand, my man. Little kids raising their hand. Amen. Go put your hand down. Repeat this prayer after me. Father God. Father God. I give you my life. I give you my life. I choose you. I choose you. Before a person. Before a person. You are my first love. You are my first Forgive love. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my I sins. I want to start new today. I want to start in new In a relationship today. with you. In a relationship with you. I receive your love. I Come on, worship team. Let's pray. Come on, give it up for the five people that raised their hand. Woo! Come on, would you stand on your feet and welcome to the house of God. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.